Hey there, friend. Rachel Thomas here. So glad you've joined us for another episode of Mercy Talk as we continue our Best of Mercy series. And today's conversation is very important because we're talking about helping someone with suicidal thoughts. This was taken back in September of 2020. So actually, not that long ago, but Brooke, Mel, and myself sit down with Ashley, Mercy graduate Ashley, to talk about her own story of walking through depression and self-harm and attempted suicide, but really how God's redemptive hand was on her during this time. So if you know someone who is struggling with suicidal thoughts and has struggled for a while or maybe just a short time and you don't know what to do or even where to start, this episode is for you because we're going to dive into some actual next steps that you can take to get them help but also to own your role as a helper and how important that role is in their life, but how important it is to not ignore the need to make a referral when that time comes to reach out and ask for help from a licensed professional. So we hope you find today's episode encouraging and also really resourceful. This is the Mercy Talk podcast. Mercy Talk is brought to you by Mercy Multiplied. We exist to encourage, equip, and empower both men and women with the same biblically-based principles we've seen work for over 35 years in our residential homes. If you want to find out more, head on over to mercymultiplied.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Mercy Talk. If you're new to this podcast, my name is Rachel Thomas and I'm the podcast coordinator and content specialist. And I am Dr. Brooke Keels and I'm the senior director of counseling and program strategy. And uh, for this podcast, we're actually going to have two on a pretty heavy but incredibly important topic Mm -hmm. um, of suicide. And so um, this is not a topic that, you know, we don't we don't shy away from talking about hard things at Mercy. Um, and so I'm incredibly excited for this one specifically. We'll be on September 10th for Suicide Awareness Day. And so um, I don't think that there's any of us that do not know someone that has either struggled or followed through with suicide and, or know someone who's a survivor of it, you know, a family member. Um, and so we want to make sure that we dive in and do this really well And one of the ways that we're going to do that is that we have an incredibly special guest with us here today, which is our 2015 graduate, Ashley. She actually graduated from the Sacramento home, um, which is, you know, not a bad place to graduate from. (laughs) We love that home. (laughs) I love traveling to that home. Um, And so, Ashley, thank you so much for being here with us. Um, And I'm going to actually let you share why you're on with us today. I'm sure people can understand that, but I don't want to take any words from you. Um, so if you would mind just introducing yourself and telling us a little bit, but why you're here with us today, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. First off, I'm so grateful to be here and just be able, being able to share my heart, um, behind, behind why this is so important to me. Um, so as Brooke said, my name is Ashley and just kind of going into my story, grew up pretty normally at first, actually had a very intense welcoming into the world where I was declared dead upon dirt birth (laughs) um and it's kind of just a miracle that I'm alive even my mother too she was out for like two minutes and it was very chaotic and as much as a miracle this was it was eventually turned into darkness Mm -hmm. and I just look back at my birth I'm like maybe I wasn't meant to live Mm -hmm. and so early roots started in Grew up pretty normally, grew up in a church that was very much about the law and not love. 
So when times got hard, I never turned to God because I didn't have a relationship with him. At seven years old, my parents got divorced. And while they were both great people, I just took it very hard upon myself. But more than that, I wore a mask and I didn't share about my pain. I didn't share about what I was experiencing. And I tucked it all away. Instead, I was like, let me take care of you. Let me take care of you. Let me support mm. you. So going into high school, I moved from my mom's home into my dad's home. And that kind of changed a bunch of dynamics. Um, I was, you know, with a stepmom now. And there were some things that were very difficult in our relationship. So high school years was kind of just a progression of like, oh, these things that are already built up inside that were negative, they were being added to. Mm -hmm. And they were compacting more. And I coped with that by starting to go into self-harm, starting to develop more major depression. But still, I was just like, I am great. How are you doing? Let me take Mm -hmm. care of you. Um, And never opening my mouth about what was happening inside my heart. Um, So suicide is such a passionate topic for me because the first time I struggled with it was my junior year of high school. And I still remember the night that I laid there heartbroken over a circumstance and I looked at a bottle of pills and I'm like, maybe it's better to mm-hmm. not feel any of this. Um, and so my story unfortunately gets really hurt here because the next day I actually took a step and I went to a high school counselor and I was like, hey, I kind of thought about ending my life right now and things aren't good. Um, and they actually did nothing. I walked away and they never followed up and they never oh, said anything. Word. And that was actually really, in a way, traumatic for me because I was like, oh, I'm stupid for these feelings. I'm not Mm -hmm. supposed to talk to anyone about these or I'm just overreacting. So that kind of sets some groundwork for continuing to not open up. So after high school, I moved out and I was like, yes, I'm free from all parents. I'm free from all control. Everything's going to be great now. Yeah, <laughs> my mentality, that didn't change, you know. We, we talk about that a lot on here. Yeah, yes. no. <laughs> everything gets better without structure, right? So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that was actually really hard on me, though, because all these lies I built up, I was still believing, all these feelings I struggled with, I was still feeling, and so I was very confused as to why I wasn't better. Um, and so February of 2012 was my first official suicide attempt. Um, I remember I just was carrying so much heartbreak and so much, um, honestly, terror at living life. Like, I didn't want to live life at all. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote a little note in my phone as a goodbye, and um, I still woke up the next day by the grace of God. Thank mm-hmm. you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just remember being disappointed. I was like, dang. Um, I was like, well, I'm still just going to walk this out. And I walked that day as if nothing had happened the night before. Wow. Um, yeah. I look back now, I'm like, man, that's crazy. What was I doing? Who was I? But mm. after that, I was like, oh, I guess I'll, I'll try to just ignore my pain. So how do you ignore pain in the best way? You find alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really did love alcohol because it was the only time I felt like I wasn't feeling the heaviness of everything mm. that was on me. Um, but that eventually led to more pain. It led to me being very inebriated on my 19th birthday and therefore a friend taking advantage of me um, and losing my virginity. And while I didn't think it was that big of a deal in the moment, I was just like, oh, whatever, I had sex now, I guess that's done, no more waiting for marriage. 
Mm-hmm. I look back now and I see how that was a turning point for everything I dealt with. That's when oh, I began to wow. harm me more. It's when my eating disorder really developed. It's when I really started to abuse alcohol and medication. It's when I developed anxiety disorder and panic attacks. And I just didn't identify it. Sure. Um, so I went through kind of a year of really, at first, going to the hospital for these panic attacks. It's like, something's wrong with me. And they're just like, you're just anxious. I'm like, but something's wrong with me. Um, and so I went through all that and finally kind of got to a place where the first time in my life since high school, I had friends again and I had a mentor after hitting like a low, low point. And I was like, I'm not doing well. I'm drinking at school. And she's like, okay, let's talk to a counselor. So I spent the year before going into mercy at my worst. Mm. I started going to counseling. I started trying medication. I started doing the journaling and all the things they told me. And I felt worse and I was under more attack and I had multiple suicide attempts that year. Um, and I remember it was just very hard to stay alive, which was confusing because it was the first time things seemed like they should be getting better. And instead I was just driving recklessly. Um, and I remember just a pe- couple weeks ago, I drove down this hill. I used to drive all the time towards my college and it was this hill that every time I looked at it, I was like, what if I just went straight instead of turning? Mm-hmm. here with the hill um and that was just constantly on my mind every day I woke up a couple times to a couple notes I'd written while drunk and I was like I took a bunch of pills and I don't know maybe I'll die that'd be nice but I'm sorry if I do and I'd wake up and find these and I'm like I don't remember that um so it's a very 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 dark time for me um and I finally got to the point where like the one thing I was holding on to like the friendships I had had um everything just kind of fell apart. And it was funny because I wasn't going to church at all, but I had a friend who had me go sing with their group at a church. And so I left a little early because I wasn't feeling good and I didn't care for church, but they had a prayer garden. And I went down and I was like, God, if you're real, I've been trying and I'm trying to get better, but I feel so much worse and I can't do this anymore. I was like, I don't want to make it to my next birthday. It was four months away. I was like, I don't want to make it there. If you can do something, do it, because I don't plan to make it to my 21st. And I walked away with a sense of peace I've never felt before and couldn't understand, but I did feel peace. And during the next week, I, at that point in my life, I was like, everything went to heck. Um, <laughs> but truly what it was is like God removing everything that I had left holding on to so that I had nothing to hold on to. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I reached my rock bottom and it sucked in the way that I was like, okay, that's it. And I made my plan and I picked my date and I started writing notes. I was like, we're done. Um, and I just remember thinking my mentor was very close to her and I was like, okay, I can't tell her or she's going to convince me not to do it, but I also can't avoid her because she's going to draw it out of me. So I was like, I'll just act very casual around her. She was one of those mentors that was like. She was one of those, and she was I mean, so great. Yeah. <laughs> she just, she was, she'd just call me out, like very straight, very blunt at times. Um, but it's what I needed, and there'd be times like where I needed the dry humor, and it was perfect. But other times, when I was like, I just need a hug. She's like, I got you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, don't avoid her, but don't talk. A very fine line <laughs> we're walking here. Um, so instead of just hanging out in her office doing homework, honestly, 
And she just looks at me, we're not talking about anything. She just says the words, have you heard of Mercy Ministries, which is what oh. it was at the time. And I never had, the words meant nothing to me. But in that moment, like everything inside me reared up and gripped at these words and clung to them and was like screaming about them. And I'm just very quietly like, no. <laughs> when inside there's like this war now raging and like now I know I'm like that was Holy Spirit being like go to this thing yeah yeah um so what was incredible is in three days there was an open house at Mercy which is super rare and so I got to visit Mercy within three days because it's 20 minutes from me wow. um <laughs> where I grew up it's insane and I got to go and I just kind of spent the summer applying and getting to learn about it and I was like you know what I'm at my end. I have nothing left for myself. I'm going to die. So I will go and do this thing. And honestly, I had such little hope. I was like, I'll go and do this thing to show my family that I tried. And when I finish it, I'll kill myself. Mm. Um, so I went into Mercy on September 4th of 2014. Um, and I did not like Mercy one bit when I first got there. Because <laughs> everyone was just so encouraging and positive and they wanted to help me and they wanted to be there for me. And I just didn't know how to accept that. Like, mm -hmm. I wear a mask, I help others. That's my role. So when that's removed, who am I? What am mm -hmm. I? I didn't understand. Um, but it was just a year of nurturing love. <laughs> and discovering who the father is and the plans he has for me, which is kind of more the fact that he has plans for me. I'm like, I don't even know. The fact that you say you have an intention for me is more than I believed a couple weeks ago. It was an intense process. Mercy can be difficult, but I also had so much negative roots that really had to be plucked up and pulled out and changed. Mm -hmm. and basically everything I believed about myself, about life, about my relationships with others, had to go through a transformation process. I don't really know if there's any part of me that came out the same. Wow. Um, so it was just a complete 180 for me, learning reliance on the father, learning to talk. That one took me a couple months in general. I remember when the program director one time was like, yeah, you were almost put on probation. I'm like, I was? Like, yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, I see that. <laughs> um, and so I just went through this process of really, I think for me, what it was, is I fell in love with the Father, and I fell in love with God, and I fell in love with truth, and I fell in love with love. And so I left Mercy, like, so ecstatic, and I was like, yes, let's do this. I'm stoked. Um, and it was not easy, straight out, <laughs> because I went through, like, two major losses of, like, people. And I remember in those times of like, we're praying for their life, we're praying for them to live just from normal human things. And I'm like, yeah, I pray to God, we're good. And then they still cost me. Oh, this is real life. God, you're still good through this. God, you're still good through the heartbreak. And I had to understand and learn that life was still worth living. And I think that's one of the hardest and the best lessons I learned. The last few years have been incredible. I've done an internship at my church. I finally got my BA in ministry leadership. Um, I've done missions work in 13 countries. But my favorites is just sitting down with people and talking to them. And honestly, the best compliments I ever receive are the ones who are like, yeah, because of you, I ended up finding, finding healing. I found freedom. Like I'm no longer depressed because of the conversations and seeds be planted in my heart at a very particular time. 
And to me, that's the best thing is just being able to share and spread the things that I've learned and hopefully just be the reason somebody hangs on one more day. Mercy Multiplied is a free of charge Christian residential counseling program for young women between the ages of 13 through 32. See how one of our graduates left college to get help. I was nervous because I did not want to leave school. Again, that's the hesitations of what are people gonna think? Am I ever gonna catch up? People have paid money for me to be here. I've paid money for me to be here. Is this really the plan? Is this what I should do? It definitely was worth it because you have to go through that process of becoming healthier so that when you do graduate from a college, you can pursue what he's called you to pursue. Um, don't quit, don't give up, don't give in. Then he's gonna lead you and he's gonna guide you and he's gonna bless you. I mean, that story is beautiful, Ashley. Like, when you said something a moment ago about, um, I fell in love with, I'm going to mess this up, but basically I fell in love with the Lord, so I fell in love with life. I mean, mm -hmm. that, I mean, wow, that really boils it down. Let me let me ask you this, and Brooke, feel free to hop in here too, but um, I know in this realm of conversation, it can feel so touchy, like, oh my gosh, if I talk about it, I'm going to push someone to want to, I'm going to bring it up more. They're going to struggle more. Um, I'm going to push them to the brink of actually committing a suicide. Um, so we don't talk about it. And so I would just ask you, you know, in your story, like what were some of the things that I guess people said that really helped to make a difference? And then what were some things that they said or didn't say that were like more of a hindrance uh, in your journey? Yeah. Honestly, the thing that was the most helpful for me, and this is so simple, um, but my mentor at the time, she told me, just take it one day at a time. And I clung to that. Because on the worst days, on the time I felt the most, on the time I felt I couldn't take another step, all I had to do was get to that one day. Mm. Instead of trying to think, how am I going to manage this whole life? How am I going to manage the next heartbreak, the next failure? It no longer was that. I was like, okay, just get through the day. They want me to get through to the day, and I can do today. Um, and so that was honestly just great. Um, and honestly, um, what you were saying about people not mentioning it out of fear that they're going to push them closer to suicide. If they're thinking about it, they're already thinking about it. They just feel mm. more alone because mm. nobody mentions it. Um, just because it's the elephant in the room doesn't make it go away. Yeah. You mentioned the elephant, maybe we could do something about it. Wow. That's really good because that was one of the things that I actually, I was just kind of taking notes of different things you said that I thought were really, you know, just impactful or just for things people to know, but it's important for people to know. And one of them is that people who are struggling with, like you said, like I just took a, like, I just thought about taking a bottle of pills last night. Like that's not good, you know, and they almost always reach out almost always, like very rarely does someone not communicate that they're considering ending their life or that they're not, or that they're scared of the thoughts they're having. And so, you know, and that's not about putting pressure on people for them to do everything perfectly, but you went to someone and you said, Hey, something weird happened. <laughs> I need to talk about it. And they didn't follow through. 
And I think a lot of times people don't follow through because of they purely just don't know what to do instead of calling someone else and saying, hey, which you went to a counselor. So that's a whole other topic that I'll get into another day. Um, you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> but this is normal lay people in your life. You know, if you reach out to someone and they don't know what to say, well, then you person who someone came to reach out to someone who does and find out how to support them. Um, yeah. and, and I don't know if you would agree with this, but a lot of times, you know, I work with people. It's not necessarily the trauma itself. It's how everyone handles it around you, right? It's how everyone deals with it around you. Mm. And the, um, so anyway, I'll let you comment on that. And then I had a couple of other things that I wanted to hear your thoughts on too. So I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with a lot of that. I think the only thing I would say is that if somebody does come to you, you know, saying I tried to kill myself or going through this, your goal isn't to fix them. It's just to be with them, show them mm -hmm. that you love them. And I think that was the biggest thing. I still remember a particular night I left my friend's house and I just left and I just got extremely just suicidal and depressed. And so what I did is I just kind of drove back and I ended up outside and we're tired. It's like basically midnight at the time I'm leaving. We're college students. We got to go to bed at some point. Um, <laughs> and I just remember coming back and all they did was hold me and talk to me for two hours. Not about what I was going through, just about things, but they just kind of showed, you know, we're here for you, we'll support you. Um, and that was more impactful than saying, life is worth living and you have so much to live for because I know all right. those mm. I just it's not about changing your mind yeah it's yeah. not about changing your mind in that moment it's just sitting through and there and often those feelings do pass right mm -hmm. like you said it was an overarching thing that needed to be dealt with at root issues but mm -hmm. in that moment it was okay I'm going to go back to my friend's house and they're just going to be with me and care for me and not like you said, you're, no one's going to say that magic word that you're going to be like, oh, well, now I'll never feel bad again. <laughs> like, thank you for that, you know, Matt. And that's a lot of pressure that I think people put in themselves. And now probably for you as a helper, there have been those moments that you've sat across from someone and been like, what do I need to say right here? You know, and we can just take that step back. And that's what I love, you know, that we train that at Empower too. Like, you don't have to have the answer. You just have to be mm -hmm. present. That's and be good, with yeah. them, you know, and just sit in that space with somebody because that's what they don't have, you know, most mm -hmm. of the time with whatever somebody's struggling with, any of their hurts, you know. Um, so that's that's awesome. I love that. The other thing I think is interesting just for people to know that when someone is hurting in that way, like they will find ways to cope. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned like alcohol, like at the end of the day, all of this was how do I not feel what I'm feeling? How can I find the things to do to not feel what I'm feeling? And we, we disqualify people so often by what they choose to use to cope, whether it's, you know, alcohol, drugs, sex, work, whatever the thing is that people will use will be like, oh, well, they're just this. Oh, it's just an addiction. Or even after more trauma, right, out of your attempting to cope, more trauma came out of it. And then it's, well, she's making bad choices. She's doing this or that or whatever that we just disqualify people in their heart and the, their, their root hurts um, in that place. And just taking a moment to be like, nobody grows up and goes, I'd like to really be an alcoholic in college, right? Like they're not, do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like that's not what people yeah. want for their lives. People may choose it. They may choose it, but that's not what they want. And those are very mm -hmm. different things. So anyway, that was just something that really stood out to me as well. So, yeah. yeah. 
that's good. Well, on those same line, lines, Brooke, um, it just kind of makes me think of like, what are some things that people, or, or some misconceptions that we have about people who are struggling with suicide? Uh, either it's projected by the media, or it's hearsay, or it's just what we assume. I would love to, to know from you, Ashley, and then maybe Brooke, in your experience too, like what are some common misconceptions people go, oh, if you're suicidal, then you must, you know, A, B, C. And it's like, well, that's not always the case with everybody. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think some of the things, um, I think just one of the biggest misconceptions is we, some people develop this mentality of like, well, their life isn't that bad. Why are they struggling with this? Hmm. You know, like, oh, I see their circumstances and that's like nothing. Why, why are you there? Um, and I think well, we can't put that on anyone. And I think if you ever think that about someone, if you ever see the struggle with suicide and you're like, well, I don't get it. So therefore they shouldn't, hmm. um, that's kind of a danger zone and you probably don't have much to help them with in that moment because they just need to be understood that honestly the way I saw someone relate it and I love it it's like telling someone with asthma but there's all this air what do you mean you can't breathe wow like just because that's good you can doesn't mean they can right um so I think that's a big thing and I think that was just even very helpful for me because the biggest thing is that I couldn't Honestly, through all that, I couldn't admit I was depressed and suicidal because I had a huge stigma about mental health. Wow. Um, and that was very hurtful as well because I couldn't say, oh, yeah, I'm depressed. I was just like, I'm stupid. So my self-talk was very negative and that didn't help anything. Um, so even just being out of that and understanding, it's like, okay, no, there was something like chemically wrong or something just very wrongly aligned inside that produced that and understanding that gave me grace to heal from it. Mm. Wow. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only other one that I just really like is that um, people sometimes say, oh, they're crying out for help. Um, well, in one way, yeah, they're crying out for help. They want to kill themselves. Like, I don't know anybody else who should want to cry out for help. Mm. Um, but the way we say it, it kind of almost sounds weak. It almost sounds pitying. Um, but the thing is, is, it takes a lot of strength for someone to say, like, hey, I'm not okay. Mm. And I think we need to change our mentality of, like, oh, it's a cry for help, which is weakness. It's like, no, it's a cry for help, and they're fighting for their lives, and that's so strong that they feel to the point where life isn't worth living, where it isn't going to be good, but they still say, help me stay another day. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. That's really good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's that's such a good point, how I'm just trying to think of different families and different people I've worked with, like, that can't quite grasp the idea that someone would be that hopeless. Mm. And so, and, and I think there's something to say, like, you don't actually have to fully understand it, right? Like, even if, and, and yeah. actually, I won't pick apart your story, you know, but just even you said, like, what agreement was made before you ever had this thought based on your birth trauma, right? Yeah. Like of just like, oh, I wasn't supposed to live. And the enemy will take that and run as far as he can with it. And then you yeah. didn't meet a God of love. You met a God of law, right? That's mm -hmm. who you were introduced to in your church or whatever the things are that lead up to this. It's not just one moment that somebody's like, I had a bad day. This is, this is it. You know, there are so many things that lead up to that place. And so 
shifting from a, from this idea that you have to fully understand what they're walking through versus all I know is they are hurting and I've got to figure out a way to support them and help them figure it out. That's it. Like you, you can't, if, if you've never been suicidal, then you cannot really understand that hopeless of a place. And even in that, you know, we talk about this a lot, you know, other residents that have walked through similar things to what Ashley's walked through. Those are very different experiences for them too, right? The bottom line is the hopelessness. And then what the enemy fights for is to take the option of a wonderful life off the table, you know? And so it's, it's just the difference between, Ashley and someone else may be that somebody else never considered suicide, but they considered all these other ways to harm themselves. Mm. Or, you know, we act like it's just the worst of the worst when what you said, it's the most devastating because we lose the person, but it is, you know, just that place of they are hopeless and trying to figure this out and they don't see another way out. And so how do we, you know, help figure that out or this idea that it's attention seeking, like that's a whole other, you know, Thing. And, and you just have to take it very seriously. Even if someone is using something like suicide to be attention seeking, there's a lot of stuff there yeah. that needs to be, you know, worked through and healed. So um, anyway, I just, I really, I like that. The things that you shared, that's just really helpful. Thank you. Yeah. That's yeah. so good. That's so good. What would you say, Ashley, uh, if someone today is listening to this and they are thinking about committing suicide or they've wrestled with it uh, before, what would you say to encourage them um, to let them know that they're not alone? I'd love to hear that from you. And then maybe Brooke, a follow-up too, like what are some next steps that you would encourage them with? Hey, if these are thoughts that you are wrestling with today, here's something that you can go and do. Yeah. I think there's so much I have, you know, just on this thing because I'm like, they're all the things I needed to hear. And so they're all the things that stand out to me. Um, so just kind of a couple of big ones. It's like, you don't actually want to kill yourself. You want to kill your pain. Mm. And I think just understanding that is very important because it gives you something to fight against instead of just fighting yourself. But you're fighting to break free from the pain. Um, and so I think with that too, um, gosh, I love this. Um, but for me, my depression and the suicidal ideation, the suicidal thoughts weighed very heavy on me in a physical manner. And it just felt like I couldn't breathe. And so I just want to say there's going to be a moment where you feel like you can breathe again and you deserve to live long enough to feel that. Wow. Because I remember the first moment that that lifted for me and I felt so light. And I remember just breaking down in tears thinking, oh, wow, that actually was very heavy on me. And I feel like I could simply take a breath and I didn't even realize that I couldn't even take a breath without pain, without heaviness. Mm. Um, and I think that's just very important. And just another little one, but I think sometimes we like, I know for me, when I was thinking the most about wanting to kill myself, I was looking for a sign. What's the sign, you know, that I shouldn't kill myself, that I should live, that I should go on. And the fact that you want a sign is a sign. Ashley, you mentioned kind of, things got worse when it seemed like they shouldn't, like you had reached out, you had a mentor, you were doing counseling. And I think that that's something that I would love people to understand when you do reach out, all of a sudden you kind of are safe enough to feel the feelings that kind of got you there anyway. And it can become so overwhelming. And what I love so much that you did, first off, get a mentor, 
that will shoot you straight <laughs> and that you yes. have to question, like, I can't hide this from her, but I also can't tell her, you know, that's who you want, right? Find that person. Yeah. Um, she sounds great. And I would like to meet her anyway, but I just think <laughs> that, you know, but I think knowing that too, there's kind of this idea and you probably saw it at Mercy. People decide, okay, I'm going to reach out for help. Mm. Well, why are things feeling worse? Why is it getting more mm. overwhelming? Well, you're actually digging in. You're actually working through it. You're actually kind of doing the things that you were avoiding for so long. And so, as you know, when you quit drinking, for example, well, then you feel the feelings and they are very overwhelming. And so just giving yourself grace in that too, that the second you reach for help, it doesn't all just shift. And sometimes it can feel even heavier, but now you have built somebody around you or people around you to walk alongside you in that, you know, and, and even at mercy, like you said, you didn't come to mercy. It was like, okay, so glad that I'm here and I'll do everything. And I know how to have healthy relationships and everyone, everything will be great. Like that's Mm. not right. You're like, I don't know that I like healthy relationships actually, you know, (laughs) like, and so in, in keeping in mind that, you know, from the physical standpoint of the habits that we form, Mm -hmm. if you've never really been in multiple healthy relationships, you don't know what the heck that's like, you know? And so even in entering those things, figuring those out, it's just having people alongside you that help keep you hopeful, that help you have the grace and then go, Hey, it's time to go do this next thing. Maybe, you know, and I just love so much that story. So I don't know, would you agree with that? I just want to completely agree. 100%. Okay. That's awesome. Good. Yeah, that's so good. Man, this has been really helpful. And I think even um, not just hopeful, but like thinking of so many of the assumptions I've made, even on my own part and even desiring to, to want to get somebody help and thinking, okay, we talk about this at Empower all the time. You know, I'm not Jesus. I'm not the savior. Uh, so, you know, if you're <laughs> Especially if you're not a licensed counselor, really leaning into those referrals. We talk about that all the time. That referral is not failure. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about that in this next episode. But um, just kind of want to leave you guys with this. And that is John 10, 10. We talk about this verse all the time. And that is that the thief has come. I got to say this the right way or it's a tongue twister to steal, to kill and to destroy. But I've come, Jesus has come that you might have a life and have it to the full. So just know that he is for you. He sees you and he has a life for you. He is not, he does not desire um, to crush you. And so Brooke, do you have anything to add to that today as we kind of hop off here? Um, No, I just think that, I mean, Ashley, I can't say what she said better to someone who's walking through it. So rewind it, listen to that over and over and over if you have to. Hear what she said, right? Like the Lord has such good, wonderful things. And then for those of us that are walking alongside someone in that or that you know someone, you know, fear comes in so quickly when you're talking about someone's life. And that is just, it's really important that you pull that in because that's about you. It's not about them. And so, like you said, your friends that just sat with you, and it doesn't mean there's not a game plan after, right? Sitting with you one night, that was safe one night, but we got to go to the next thing, you know, but the, the point is being like that fear that comes in that I, you know, all of a sudden I have to say the right thing, do the right thing. I just really encourage you to, to renew your mind on that, rip that That's out good. and just be present with the person. So, um, you know. Yeah, that's it. That's what I got. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah, that's so good. Anything else, Ashley, that you would say before we close out here? 
You're worth fighting for. You are worth it. You are worth yeah. the fight. That's good. good. That's good. Thank you guys both. This has been so helpful. And Ashley, we are cheering for you, girl. Like what an incredible, not just story of redemption, but like, it's just begun, you know, in talking yeah. to you even before this podcast, uh, just hearing what, what God is doing in your life, uh, and the way that you are loving others around you. He is, he is going to be using this story for years to come. It's going to impact generations. Truly, you know, you're not just those around you now, but you know, your family in the future. And so thank you for being obedient in that and being bold uh, and sharing what God has done in your own life. Seriously. Okay, you're awesome. So much so for having me. For yeah, yeah. Anytime, anytime you're welcome here. So well, we're so yeah, just call us up. Awesome. Well, we're pumped that you joined us for this episode. Uh, heavy intense topic but so needed today join us next time we're not done with this conversation as we talk about suicide awareness we'll see you then we're so glad you joined us today we'd love for you to head on over to itunes and leave us a review you can also find previous episodes there mercy multiplied is a non-profit organization completely funded by our donors we're incredibly grateful and couldn't do what we do without them If you want to find out more how you can partner with us financially, head over to mercymultiplied.com.